We got a big passage today. Uh, we've, we're talking about becoming a people of love. Um, and this is in connection to the Simplicity series, um, kind of like a thread uh, of, of why, we're, why we, we went through that and, uh, and, and why it's so important um, to not only be loved, um, but to become a people of love. So we're going to look at Romans 12, so turn there with me. Uh, there should be a Bible around you, Romans 12. Um, we're going to be in a couple different passages today. So, so first, Romans 12, and then um, another significant passage for, for us today is, is going to be Psalms 145. So you can kind of thumb over there and go ahead and get prepared for that. Um, but Romans 12, we're going to be Romans 12, verses 9 uh, through 21. Let love be without hypocrisy. Detest evil, cling to what is good. Love one another deeply as brothers and sisters. Outdo one another in showing honor. Do not lack diligence and zeal, but fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in affliction. Be persistent in prayer. Share with the saints in their needs. Pursue hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud. Instead, associate with the humble. Do not be wise in your own estimation. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Give careful thought to do what is honorable in everyone's eyes. If possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Friends, do not avenge yourselves. Instead, leave room for God's wrath because it is written, vengeance belongs to me. I will repay, says the Lord. But if your enemy is hungry, feed him. And if he's thirsty... Give him something to drink, for in doing so you will, you will be heaping fiery coals on his head. Do not be conquered by evil, but conquer evil with good. Okay, this is loaded, um, so we need prayer. So let's go to prayer. Uh, God, thank you um, for this passage, for Paul's instructions here. Um, I, I just pray that uh, you use the Spirit to, to, to use some of the words that I'll say today um, to just be to, to speak to people um, and let your your scripture actually do that. Uh, we love you in Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so um, yeah, becoming a people of love. Uh, Sam and I recently, uh, Sam, my wife, she's over here. Um, we recently had our fourth child. Uh, yeah, it's pretty nuts. Um, oh, yeah, his, okay. Um, Hopefully, I get shout-outs from my six-year-old all sermon. That'll be good. Um, yeah, so Abe, um, his name is August, um, so he does have a name. Um, we call him Augie. Uh, he's, he's really special to us. Uh, four kids is nuts. Um, we have four kids, six and under, six, four, two, and, and now 12 weeks old. Um, it's, it is absolutely everything that you could imagine in, in terms of defining what is crazy. Uh, matter of fact, we had some friends over at our house last night, and as they were walking out, we just felt like, I think the only thing that I said is like, I'm just sorry I'm such a bad parent. Like, I, I, it was so chaotic at our house last night, and we were both deflated and exhausted, and we were like, oh my goodness, what just happened? Um, anyway, that's having four kids, so if you want to have a bunch of kids, just get ready. Um, <laughs> it's wonderful, though. Um, it's wonderful. It's wonderful. Uh, candidly, this time around, though, uh, and this is kind of more on a serious note, I guess, I, I, this, this time around, it's been really, really hard for me. We have the fourth. 
really, really hard. It's not the physical. It's not the physical that's been hard. If you have three kids under six, like sun up to sundown, if you add four more, it doesn't matter. Your hands are, you're always wiping bottoms. You're always blowing noses. Like someone's always got a cold. It's not the physical. It's actually, this time around, it's been much more the emotional for me. Um, the emotional in the sense that I just didn't, I wasn't prepared uh, for what we were about, what we were about to get into. I wasn't, um, yeah, I didn't, I didn't, I wasn't expecting the emotional kind of shift for me um, and how difficult this four child was would be, and I, I really have been assessing over the last three weeks or so, like, why in the world am I struggling so much emotionally um, with this one? And uh, as Sam could have told you in 30 seconds, but it's taken me three weeks, it's, uh, I'm selfish. I'm really, really selfish. I'm extraordinarily selfish, and there's something uh, about babies. Um, they, don't give, they don't give you much. Matter of fact, um, they give you nothing, and they make you give them everything. That is the nature of a baby. They may give you a little goo or like a little smile once they're about 12 weeks old, which he's doing that this week, which is amazing. But that's about it. They take a lot from you, and I was not prepared to give everything. For the, this time particularly, I was not prepared to give everything. See, what I want us to realize today is, and this won't be very hard for you, is that when, when our desires, when our hopes, when our dreams, when our ambitions are blocked, when they, are, when they're, um, when they, when they don't happen for some reason or another, what's the emotion that rises up? Anger, frustration, unhappiness. And that's selfishness, right? Because it's that emotion that sabotages our ability to love. It sabotages our ability to become a people of love. It, sabotage, it has sabotaged my ability to really love my son the way that I want to love him, you know? And that's been really tough. That's why Paul in Romans 12 sets up the whole passage this way. He says in verse 2, I want you to discern the will of God. The will of God is good and acceptable and it's perfect. Then he says in verse 3, okay, so what do you have to do first? Verse 3, before he even talks about love, think of yourself less. That is a precursor. Then he says in verse 9, okay, so now go and love in a genuine way. Be authentic in your love. And then he goes on in verses 11 through 21. He says, on the back of that love, now you can do this. See, like there's a reason he sets it up. You've got to experience God's love. You've got to be authentic in, in, in your love. And then you can go love like what he instructs. Uh, in verses 11 through 21. I think, I think as a people, we want to become a people of love. That's our desire. Like, no one would come in here and say, yeah, I don't want to become a people of love. I don't want to be a body of believers that doesn't actually love and love really well and actually love this way. But I think, you know, we screw it up. That's the tension, is, is that we screw it up. We don't love with that godlike love. I think... Um, yeah, that desire exists. We don't love that way. As a matter of fact, we love the exact opposite as Romans 12. We, here's some things. We curse those that, that, that uh, persecute us. We hoard our finances. We want to associate with the cool and the wealthy, certainly not the lowly. We polarize ourselves by associating with stream political ideologies. We run from justice when it forces us to actually change our lifestyle to actually send our kids to a different school, to actually have different people at our table. 
We take the missional out of missional community. We, start, we stop focusing on what it looks like to be empowered to live on mission and love, love, love other people. And look, I could go on, but my goal is not to just beat us up the whole, the whole passage here, the whole, this whole morning. Um, and that's exactly why we, we uh, uh, did this whole um, simplicity series, simplicity of speech, simplicity of possession, simplicity of technology. Why did we do all of that? We did all of that so that we could recognize that we have to create capacity in our lives so that we can address the complex reality of what it looks like to love other people, right? We're not, simpli- we're not simplifying our lives just to simplify our lives and get more comfortable. We're simplifying our lives for a very, very specific purpose, and that's to become a people of love. And that's what I want to show us today. And it's really hard. So let me just state that. It's really hard. Um, and it's complex. And I think we've got a, uh, th- this becoming process. This, that's where we're going to focus is like, the transition of becoming, it really goes from the head to the heart and, and then out. Um, and so that's what we're going to look at. First, we're going to know the theological kind of understanding of God's love in the head. Um, and then what it's like to be loved, the experience, that's point two, um, is, is just how we feel that and what that does to us. Uh, and then lastly, it's, it's to love others. Uh, that's the practice. So let's jump in, theology, the theology of love. Okay, this could be like 17 sermons. Um, so show me grace here. Bear with me. We're going we're gonna to look at Psalms 145 here. We're going to take it in two chunks. Um, and, and I just want to show you over the next few minutes just the richness of God's love, the complexity of it, but the richness. Um, so Psalms 145, we're going to do, do verses 14 through 17 first. The Lord helps all who fall. He raises up all who are oppressed All eyes look to you, and you give them their food at the proper time. You open your hand and satisfy the desire of every living thing. The Lord is righteous in all his ways and faithful in all his acts. And in some, there in verse 17, some translations say, in loving towards all that he has made, which I like that that translation, and we'll talk about that. Uh, See, God says some really wonderful things here. He says, um, that he's raising up the impressed, that all eyes look to him, that he gives, he gives them their food, he sustains the world, he satisfy, satisfies the desires of every living thing. Then he goes on in 17, and he says the Lord is righteous. And again, some translations say in loving towards all that he has made. See, theologians call, call this the, the common grace love of God where the common grace love of God means that God, he gives things, he gives wisdom to us, to all people. Um, he gives moral intuition, he gives hope, he gives strength, he gives beauty, like we see beauty in the world when we go out into it, everybody sees that. He desires to reveal himself to all people, all things that he has made, because he loves them. That's the common grace love of God, and he offers it um, to the entire human race, so that people will see it. Then we see a shift, 18 to 19. The Lord is near to all who call out to him, all who call out to him with integrity. Some translations say truth, with him in truth. 19, he fulfills the desires of those who fear him, and he hears their cry for help, and what? He saves them. We see the second aspect of God's love. Not two different loves, this is the same love from the same God, but two different aspects of love. 
It says that the, the, the Lord is near to all who call out to him, all who call out to him in truth. Okay, so first, what is truth? Truth is just what God says, who, who God says he is, right, in the scriptures. That is truth. This is who I am. And then secondly, he says to call upon his name is to rely on him, to rely on him, to, to, to rely on who he says he is, to have faith in him, to believe in him, to accept his truth, and to obey him. And you are saved. So he says, this is who I am. And if you believe in me, and you believe in that love, then this is what I offer. I offer salvation through my son Jesus. See, theologians call this the special saving love of God for those who believe. Again, these are two aspects of the exact same love. Then, it, then in verse 20, it says, The Lord guards all those who love him, but he destroys all the wicked. He destroys all the wicked. That's, that's pretty hard. You're probably sitting there like, and pro- some of you have probably struggled with this throughout Scripture, the Old Testament. He destroys the wicked. And what I want us to see um, is that, yes, this is a dynamic of God, but love and wrath go perfectly with a perfect God. And I want us to see why. Let's look at John 3.16. For God so loved the world, okay, that's, that's this uh, entire human race concept, common grace, that he gave his only son, that whoever believed in him should not perish but have eternal life, saving love of grace. Then verse 17, what happens? For God, this is important, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn it, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe in him is condemned already because he has not believed in Jesus. See, I, I don't think that God's up in heaven and, and as people are, are falling into hell and they're screaming out, save me, O Lord, save me, O Lord, and he comes with this like villain laugh and he says, too bad, ha, ha, ha. You know, I, that's not the God of the Bible. That's not the God in the type of love that we're talking about. Matter of fact, Romans 1 says, God gave them up to the lust of their hearts, and they exchanged the truth of, about God for a lie. They continue to practice their wicked ways. They deserve death and spend eternity in hell. But to think that this is what God wants, then we don't understand the God of the Bible. He loves all that he has made, and he continues to reveal himself through the creation, common grace. Like he's saying, this, look, I want you to look at me. I want you to notice me. I'm providing, I'm upholding all that I have made. And then he says, because it's broken, I've got a, I've got a solution for you. It's my son. And I'm going to offer a saving love. But even then, even then, like we have to understand the, the richness of God's love. Because even then, Ezekiel 33, 11 says, God says, I have no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but the wicked turn from their ways, but that the wicked turn from their ways and live. What is that? That is a yearning. That is our God saying, weeping, saying, no, 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 no. This isn't what I want. I don't want to, prov- I don't want to pour out wrath, but I will, and I have to, but I yearn from you to turn from your wicked ways. Think about it this way. Say you've got some, a friend that you love, that you absolutely love, and they're, in, they're living in sin. They're doing something destructive. They're hurting themselves. They're hurting their family. What do you do? You confront them. Matthew 18. You confront them. You beg them to turn from their destructive ways. Why? Because you know where, where it leads. 
it leads to lots of bad things. And if they continue without repentance and in sin, Matthew 18 says, um, if they're in the body of believers, you remove them. That's really, really hard, right? That's really, really difficult, but that is what is loving to them. Now, this is why this whole, that's it. That's point one, right? His love is multidimensional. It's, uh, it's complex. It's both common. It both provides a unique way. Um, and it comes, and it's both, and, and his love is both perfect when, when he uh, has to, uh, you know, provide wrath or, 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 or has wrath and, 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 and does judge, but he offers a way to, to be relieved from that. And that is why it's so important because when we think about becoming a people of love, yes, we, we hear this because we want to we become um, a follower of Jesus. We want to be saved by that. And then we get to experience his love in a very, very unique way. But two, he says this because he wants to teach us to love outside, right? To not have a narrow view of God's love, but to love all that he has made just as he loves all that he has made to have a compassion for people who don't know him, to seek people and be on mission and live on mission. This is why we do mission. This is why we evangelize, because we see people and we see that he loves them. We are to love them just as much as he, he does. Now, that's impossible. We can't do that, but that's our goal. And that's why it's important to understand God's love. Next, to be loved, right? Okay, so we want to experience him. And we want to know him in such an intimate, intimate way. We want to know that love, and it's pretty hard, right? Um, and what I mean by that is it's not hard for him to love us. Like I just talked talk to you about that. But it is hard sometimes for us to recognize it. So uh, I've, I've had several people in the last, I don't know why this has happened in the last few weeks, um, just people that I, 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 I'm in discipleship with or, or in different groups with or just people within the church that, have said it's just really hard for me um, to consistently experience the intimacy of God. Like, I, I read the Bible, I'm in discipleship, I pray, but um, I, don't know, I don't know what it is, but I, I, I don't experience um, him the way that I want to on a consistent basis. And look, I think a lot of that, um, I'm, I'm going to give you a few ways uh, that I think can, can kind of... Uh, uh, help you with that. Um, I think a lot of the reason is that we need to look at what I talked about, something God's been revealing in me, is that selfishness taints that, puts a veil uh, in front of, front of our faces and, uh, and, and kind of prohibits our ability to be in, in right communion with God. So first, look at yourself. Um, Paul says in Romans, uh, Romans 12 that uh, you first have to think of yourself uh, more lowly than others. So I think, yes, that, that is definitely one. But I want to give us some practical ways uh, that I think we can, we can experience and, and be loved. First is to be forgiven. Um, and I don't just mean like the forgiveness that my son Abe, when, when he hits his sister Rosie, and we say, hey, look, go, go ask for forgiveness, and he does, and they hug, and it's all good. That's great. That's a great practice for them, and we want to teach them this. But I think there's kind of a higher order of forgiveness. Um, I'm, not, I'm not quantifying sin, but what I'm saying here is that think about it this way. Um, when have you ever uh, done something and sinned against someone so harshly that you knew, one, you were terrified to confess, but when you did confess, you knew that it was going to turn your world upside down? Like, have you ever, ever experienced that? Maybe it's, it's the fact that you um, had to confess to your wife that the addiction is back, 
Maybe um, you had to confess to your child that the yelling has gone on too long. Maybe um, telling your best friend that uh, the gossip actually started with you. I want you to take 30 seconds, maybe 20, whatever. Take some time here, close your eyes, and I want you to think about a time in your life where you had to confess like that. So take a second to, to remember that confession and allow the emotions to, to, to swell up inside you. Okay, um, I hope you feel something. Uh, I hope that you're, you're reminded of a pretty painful experience. Um, I think uh, what, I, what I want us to see today is not actually the confession. I think the confession is, is necessary. But if you can remember now, um, remember the feeling in the response. Here's what I mean. Um, I know in my life when, when I have stood before my wife and confessed a deep sin to her, a deep sin, one that I knew she would, that would break her, that would leave a forever scar, and I stood before her, and yet she forgave me, said, I forgive you. Sure, there's consequence, but yeah, I forgive you. I, in that moment, felt the richest, most genuine, most unconditional, most godlike love that I've ever felt in my life. Transforming love, matter of fact. A love that kind of climbs into the rivets of your soul. You know those, over time, when sin patterns happen, they take, they take divots in your soul. And it's, this is the kind of love that climbs in there. And it, it says, um, I'm going to drudge you out. It's where like the sin and the darkness and Satan love to hide. This is when, when, when you're forgiven like this, it climbs in. And it says, you have no place here. You have no place here. When you experience that kind of forgiveness, um, you get to taste what God's love's like. And uh, that's why confession and forgiveness in, among believers is so, so critical. It's not just because you're doing right or you're acting in obedience because you experience God's love. Another very practical way, so, so practice forgiveness this week. There you go. Um, another practical way is visual reminders. Um, I'm going to steal this from Rich Plass. He's an awesome guy. Um, he's been here at SOMA multiple times to either teach or teach on. They do a phenomenal job on teaching uh, on marriage. And uh, he says this, you know, he's like, hey, put visual reminders in your house to, 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 to be reminded of God's love. Um, that could be a painting of your favorite Bible verse. It could be your Bible verse that you love. It could be a picture of a family when you were on a missions trip. Um, it could be that, that, that when you see them, you remember what it was like there and you love them. And you loved, you, you remember what God did through them and, and with you while you were there on that mission trip. Those are some examples. Um, Sam and I took this to heart a couple years ago. Um, my dad, which is super special, he painted uh, a picture 
of the woman in Mark 5, uh, the bleeding woman who touches the robe of Jesus and is healed. I want to read that. Mark 5, you can turn with me if you want there. Mark 5, starting in verses 25. uh, 25. Now a woman suffering from bleeding for 12 years had endured much under many doctors. She had spent everything she had and was not helped at all. On the contrary, she became worse. Having heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his clothing. For she said, "If, if I just touch his clothes, I'll be made well. Instantly, her flow of blood ceased. And she sensed that her body, in her body, she felt in her body that she was healed of her affliction. Immediately, Jesus realized that the power had gone out of, out of him, and he turned around into the crowd and said, who touched my clothes? His disciples said to him, you see the crowd pressing against you? And yet you say, who touched me? But he was looking around to see who had done this. The woman, with fear and trembling, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell down before him. She lowered herself. And told him the whole, tr- the whole truth, daughter. Or she, it's, and told him the whole truth. And he said, daughter, your faith has saved you. Go in peace and be healed from your affliction. That's a picture of the gospel. I mean, imagine this. You have a woman who's physically ill. And in this time, they're, obviously, they're dirt streets. They're in sandals. It's dirty. There could be hundreds, thousands of people. We don't really know. And she's literally crawling on the ground. She's crawling on the ground And she lowers herself, not recognized by anybody, and all she wants is to literally touch the bottom of his robe. Touch the bottom of his robe. Number one, that's humility. Number two, that's dramatic faith. Number three, what does it say? It says that the power of the love of Jesus left him. And guess what? He didn't just let it go. He turned around and acknowledged her. He acknowledged her. And he lifts her head, and he says, you are a child. And you can have that power. And now, because of your faith, you will have that love forever. That's a picture of the gospel. And so every time my wife and I, now, we don't go through that whole thing every single time, but every time we see it, and every time somebody asks about it, we get to share that love. To be loved. We have to feel it. We have to have visual reminders. Lastly, another great way is we obey him. And this one, this one may seem a little bit odd, but just hear me out for a second. Um, the reason we obey him is not because we just need to obey him. John 15, 10, 11, there's more to it. If you, keep, if you keep my commands, you will remain in my love. Got it. I'm supposed to obey you. I'll remain in your love. Just as I have kept my father's commands and remain in his love. But here's the here's. The brilliance in this passage. I have told you, in verse 11, I've told you these things so that my joy may be in you and your joy may be complete. Yes, if you obey him, you will be in his love. Sure, that is true. But the thing that's much more profound is, is that when you experience this Christ-like love, you see that really what he cares about and what he says in verse 11 is that he wants your joy. He wants your flourishing. That's all he cares about, right? Yes, he wants you to be near to him by obeying him, but he also really just wants you to obey him, to be close to him, to live in in, in his love so that he can see you flourish. That's amazing. God, the God of the Bible, the God who created all things, he, he so identifies with us that he can't be happy unless we are happy. 
He can't find joy unless we find joy. I take you back to the situation with my child, uh, my baby. His name's August, as, as Abe pointed out, or wanted me to point out to you guys. Um, that baby doesn't give me anything except for, yeah, uh, some, some joy, sure, but I've got to fight for that. He doesn't give me much. and ma- matter of fact, he requires everything, but that's okay. Why is that okay? Because if there's no greater happiness than seeing happiness, if there's no greater joy than seeing seeing my, my child cared for, because literally if we don't care for a baby, he's going to die, right? If I don't give him everything, he's going to die. And if I, and, and, but, but it's okay because, because if, if, I, if I truly love him, if I love like God has loved me, then I just serve him. I serve him. And I, I do that for a long period of time, for a committed period of time, and what happens? Parents, you know this. Your heart is bound to him. When they grow, I don't have grown children, but when they grow, when they move on, that, 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 that tie never gets broken because your heart is bound to them. That's all Jesus is saying is I love you that way. I love you that way. It's the same in the marriage. Think about the first time that you kissed your wife. Maybe you haven't thought about that in a while. Think about it um, and think, uh, you know, the, the sensation was probably pretty cool, Right? I mean, it was probably pretty fun the first time you kissed your wife. I hope you say that if you don't figure that out, right? But the first time you kissed your wife was pr- pretty cool. But that wasn't love, right? That was, that was actually your ego saying, like, well, it was pretty cool that she kissed me, right? It's a win. We're moving in the right direction. That's ego. That's just selfishness, really, if you really think about it. But think about 20, 30, 40, 60 years later, Right? when you battled cancer together, when you had surgery and maybe you thought your spouse was going to die. Think about maybe um, trying to have children for four or five years and you can't. Think about the endless times where you chose them over you. Think about the, the days and the, and the months where you chose to affirm your spouse versus tear her down or, or, or tear him down. Think about that. And then kiss your wife 30 years after doing that. And think about the richness that occurs. That is the love that I'm talking about. And that is the love that I want us to experience. Tim Keller says it this way, there's no greater pleasure than giving pleasure to someone you love. There's no greater pleasure than giving pleasure to someone you love. Here's the brilliance in John 15 and and, and Romans 12 is that when you allow yourself to be loved and to love this way, there's zero, zero room for selfishness. Zero. It doesn't exist there. It can't exist there. And without it, we can love others genuinely, like Paul asked us to, and with brotherly affection. And so my last point is, uh, is to love others. All right. Like, we've, we've, we understand God's love. It's incredible. It's rich. It's multidimensional. We can, be, we, we can experience that love, especially if we're believers, um, and, we, and we, uh, we're saved by him. We get to experience a richness of love that is so absolutely transformational. But lastly, we got to do something with it. 
And this is what Paul really is saying. And he goes on to say in, verse, in, in 13, 9, chapter 13, verses 9, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Really, like love your neighbor as if it were you. And I know all of us, look, I'll speak for myself, I love myself, right? And you can laugh at that. I mean, that's, that's uh, it's kind of meant to be a joke. But it's also real. Like we all love ourselves. Thinking about loving someone as much as I love myself, is, uh, is really, really difficult. But that's, that's the godlike love. That's what Paul's asking us to do here. He's asking us to love in such a way that we cannot be happy unless our neighbor is happy. That's what he's saying. And that type of love, uh, it happens over time, by the way. Um, it doesn't have an... Instantly, it's kind of a purification process. It's this, this whole becoming process. But I think it happens in community, and I think it happens with a lot of practice. So Romans 12, 13 through 18 is the practice. Share with the saints in their needs. Pursue hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. What's happening here? He's asking us to identify with others. Relieve ourselves of selfishness. Identify with others. Do, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud. Instead, associate with the humble. Do not be wise in your own estimation. Do not repay anyone evil with, for evil. Give careful thought to do what is honorable in everyone's eyes. And if possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Look, this is hard. Doing that's almost impossible, right? Um, but I want to show us a few things here of how we can. First, you have, you have the love of God. We've talked about that. It's, if you experience it, that bells up inside, and, 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 and you just want to practice it. Um, that's, that's, what, that's why I, I went through the point of like being loved. Um, but two, so that's point one. Two, you practice it. And I, I love what Robin did. I think she, Robin. I love what Robin did last week, and I'm going to do it. So thank you. You gave me this idea. Um, we're going to talk about, I want to talk, give you a few stories of people who actually serve this way in our church, who actually practice the love of Jesus in this way. I think of, uh, we use the verse, contribute to the needs of the saints, um, serving others. I think of Adrian and Austin Evans. I think of the fact that they are, 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 are giving of their time, talents, and, uh, and intentionally trying to build a, a marriage ministry here at SOMA um, that gives space for uh, God to come in and, and, and teach couples what it looks like to, to love the way that I talked about in the marriage a minute ago. Um, and they're serving us in that way. They're giving of their time and they're voluntarily trying to build this thing so that um, I think probably one of the greatest areas that you can see the gospel at work is inside of marriage. And that's what they're working on. Thank, I, I thank them. I think show hospitality, Brandon or somebody mentioned this within the last couple of weeks, I think of Michael Black and his wife. I think uh, Michael specifically, just because I literally I see him every week. I'm not kidding. I show up and I'm like, man, you're here again? Like, wow, this is incredible. Literally trying to just create an environment for people to show up and be loved and feel welcome. That's awesome. Uh, don't be proud. I'm going to, I'm going to, probably, I, I don't know why I do this to myself. I get emotional. I'll, I'll probably cry like every time I teach, but um, I'm a, I just can get emotional, but I'll, I'll put a plug in for my wife here. Um, don't be proud. So, and she's here, so this is even harder. I'm sorry. I'm sorry I'm doing this to myself. I don't know why I do this to myself. Um, 
But Sam, we used to call Sam, this is kind of funny, we used to call Sam the great defender when we were in college. Like all of our friends back from Louisville called her the great defender. Why do we call her the great defender? Literally, we would try to talk bad about people and she would only say good things. It's like she just could never, and she still can't, she can't, she can't, she can't say bad things about people. I even try to get her to say bad things. And it's like, how is this possible? Like, this is crazy. You can't be like that. But she is like that. I think of, I think of James Piscasio when it talks about humility. I think of a guy who is wise beyond his years, um, who's a talented teacher, who gives so greatly to this church, um, and yet he walks around. He's probably the greatest shepherd that I, I, I walk step by step with because um, he cares and shepherds in a way that's unbelievable. I think of Robin McKinnon. I think of uh, when you celebrate with others, this idea of celebrating. Show of hands, is there anyone in this room has, who has ever walked away from a room with Robin McKinnon and felt less than they did when they walked in? The answer is no, right? The answer is absolutely no. She, she brings such vibrance and energy, and, and she really, really celebrates you and you feel encouraged walking out. That's a gift. I think about meeting other needs. I think about Steph Bogan. Um, you probably, most of you, a lot of you probably don't even know her, um, but there's a reason for that. She's quiet, but at the same time, I don't know of anyone that's more thoughtful and touches people in the smallest ways that none of you ever see. I think about <clears throat> weeping. Speaking weep me. I think about weeping with those who weep. Uh, I think about um, the, few, the several times um, that the elders have, have prayed over people, um, families who are going through some really crazy stuff, some couples, um, some kids that were going through some really cra- crazy stuff. <clears throat> and as we were praying, literally tears dropping on the table, like that's weeping with those who weep. So there's some practice points. People are doing that here. Um, the last two points go together, I think, the ways that we can practice this. Um, one, be present. Uh, I, I think this is really hard, uh, and we've been taught not to do this in COVID. Um, the way that you show love, uh, you got to be present, right? The way that you do the things that I just talked about, you actually have to show up. Uh, you have to be in discipleship. You have to be a missional community. You have to be here, um, and you have to show up with some energy um, and you got to stop thinking about yourself, just like Paul said um, in verse 3. Like, you got to think of yourself less than others so that you can show up and actually think about them first. Let's be present. The, the last thing is stay. Is actually stay. So think about this. It is almost impossible to love like what he's talking about right here if you don't stay. If you don't actually commit to a body of believers, right? This church isn't going to be perfect. If you don't like this church, you should go find one that you do. And I don't mean that like arrogantly. Like you really should find one that you do. But if you like this church, if God's leading you to this church, stay. Be committed. Fight. Because in 20 years from now, when we're all sitting here, and the same people in this room, and we, we get to see all the things that we get to see in each other's lives, if we stay Think about the way we love each other then. Think about how much I'm going to love your kids when I see them now at two and when they're 20. Like, just think about that. There's so much power in committing to a people. 
And, and you can do that here at Soma, and we're all about that here at Soma. So there you have it. There's, uh, there's we've got to understand God's love. I think I'm out of time almost. Um, we've got to experience God's love. Uh, and then we have to love others the way that Romans 12 talks about. And guess what? You're probably still sitting there saying, that all sounds really, really great, but that's really, really hard. And the answer is, yep. Like, yep. The truth is that none of us can provide love like this. Like, we can't. We cannot consistently provide love like this. But we have someone who can. And that's, that's Jesus. And he says in John 15, No one has greater love than this, to lay down his life for his friends. And then he says, you are my friends. And how can he say this? He can say this because he so identified it. So identified it. Christianity is the only religion where you actually had a God who became human. He became human so that he could show us what it's like to love like this. He became human. He, he felt pain the way we feel pain. He was tormented the way we felt tormented. He was depressed the way that we are depressed. He experienced our human emotions. He knows exactly who we are. He identified with us. That is the God of the Bible. And through his son, he created a way for us to escape the wrath that's promised to all that do not do, that all, for all who do not turn from their wicked ways and trust in his truth. He provided a way. And when we as a community don't love the way that we're supposed to love, don't love according to Romans 12, we can be forgiven. We can be forgiven. And that's the gospel. That's the good news of the gospel. And maybe um, over a long period of time, Staying and committing to this community and with endless amounts, now hear me here, endless amounts of God's loving kindness, we can begin to love like he does. We can maybe begin to love like he does. And then ultimately, both now and certainly on the other side of heaven, if we remember when we believe in him and call upon his name, we are brought to glory because of his wounds. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, um, your love's really, uh, really, really big, and uh, it transforms everything. Um, and when we practice it, uh, when we practice the way of Jesus, um, we can be a people of love for the life of the world. And that's what we want to do here. And so I hope people are encouraged. Um, continue to speak to people today. Um, and I, I pray that uh, people experience that love. In Jesus' name, amen.